right now I just want to tell you I love you and thank you. Uh, thanks so much for being in God's house today, but being in my life uh, and my wife's life. And so just um, really fast, I'll tell you that uh, we had the, the report on Tuesday and my wife was confirmed that she did have cancer. It is a uh, answer to our prayers, seriously, uh, that it is a... Um, it is a non-aggressive cancer, and so the surgery removed all that. She had a lot taken out of her, a lot of stuff going on. Um, she's going to feel like a new lady probably in another eight weeks. Right now, she feels like a wrecked lady, uh, but, you know, rejoicing in her heart and mind. Um, just, I want you to know that I appreciate all your words, your comfort, your, your support to us, and um, I was not uh, living in fear, and I wasn't gloom and doom, but I also know the reality of life and that her and I both at some point aren't going to come out of this. Uh, there's going to be a day we die, right? And so I didn't know if this was the day that she was going to be going to be with Jesus through this process. He only knows that. And being in the room with the doctors, I know what they expected to be happening. Uh, their prognosis was not expected to be a good one at all. They, um, I was there with them. I was there with the CT scan, Kirsten, and the concern they had with us and the words they shared with us. And they were not expecting to have a good prognosis come out of this. And so we want to thank, thank Jesus that she does have one and that uh, the road of recovery will be a little ways for her, but that she will recover. And I know that there are many people in our church that uh, are going through similar things that are maybe not as public. And some of our prognoses uh, that we will hear or get back may not be the same. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you and that he had favor on me or my wife. It's just God doesn't like move in our world the way we anticipate him moving or expect him to, or he doesn't follow our orders or plans. I recognize that he could take my wife. He loves her more than I do, and she's his, not mine. And so he could take her to be with him because he had better plans for her than anything I could ever imagine. And so we had to surrender that to him and just say, she's yours and we give her to you. I just want her. Please don't let her go. You know, she's been with me since I was 16 years old. And she was 15 years old when we started dating. And so I was like, God, I don't even remember my life without her. She was always been there. She's my love of my life. She's an amazing lady. Most of you don't know her because she's kind of quiet. She's not one-on-one -on -one and she's not at all with me. Uh, but <laughs> she's... <laughs> I'm teasing. She's a quiet lady. <laughs> she doesn't want to come up here on the platform and talk to you. And um, I mean, not that it's you. She just doesn't want anybody looking at her like that. She is an amazing woman that I am very blessed with. And I couldn't imagine uh, living without her or doing ministry without her as my right hand. And so I'm very grateful that God extended this grace to us that we can live life longer together. And I'm very grateful. Um, and so thank you for all your prayers and support. Um, by the way, I mean, I'm just saying, like, her cancer is a non-aggressive, so she doesn't have to go through chemo, which we're very grateful. Two days before we went in, I almost shaved my head. I did shave, and I got my hair cut, but I was trying to prepare myself for if she, we were expecting chemo. I mean, not in a bad way. I just thought that's where we were going. The doctor told us we would be going through it, actually. Um, so praise God she's not, but I almost shaved my head two days beforehand. And thankfully, I got too busy and thought that I'll get it later. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I really was. She's, she has the shavers, you know. I was just going to buzz it off. And I don't care. It's just hair, you know, go back. And um, so I was going to do it, but it didn't happen. So now I don't have to. So I'm thankful to Jesus for that. It is just hair, and I'm grateful. Um, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. 
<laughs> Trust me, I was thinking of that. I already know it's already fallen out on me anyway. But anyway, we don't want to get stuck there. I want to, I want to just tell you thanks, okay, and then move on. Let's uh, just pray for us, and thank you for your generosity your grace. It's amazing. I love you too, and thank you guys. Um, there's a prayer ride this coming um, Saturday to Tombstone, uh, to the Tombstone Cowboy Church. We're going to do that. So if you want to be part of that, you can join us. Triple T, 1030 is the kick stands up. Heading down that way. There's baptism next Sunday if you have not been baptized and you want to be, or you've messed up in your life since you were baptized and you want to rededicate that next Sunday, go to our website and sign up for that. All right. Um, we also have a fast. Uh, Justin mentioned at the beginning, you saw the video. If you didn't see the video at the beginning of service, it was awesome. Uh, you need to check that out. But from tomorrow, which is February 24th through March 7th, we're inviting all of us as a church to enter into a fast together. Uh, the reason for this is on March 8th will be our fifth year anniversary on this campus, moving from over there on Broadway. Many of you don't know maybe that the church is like over 60 years old. We've had five different campuses in Tucson, moving different churches in different places God's brought us. And five years ago, we moved from Broadway where Krispy Kreme and all that is. That was our property to this campus, purchased this one. And uh, so we want to celebrate all that God's done, all that he is doing. And uh, so we want to celebrate on uh, March 8th, which will be at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. We will have a, a um, dessert coffee time. We want you to come and join us for that. And then at 6 o'clock, we'll have the one church worship where we will celebrate and be all about thanks to God for all he's done for us and his provision and stuff. And so we want you to be a part of that. So in this process of fasting, we're in the Easter season coming into it. Starting tomorrow, what we're asking you if you would just give up one thing. I don't care what it is, but it needs to be something in your life that you do every day. So I'm not expecting you not to eat for the next two weeks. You know, I don't care what it is you select. If you want to not eat chocolate for the next two weeks because you need it every day in your life, give up chocolate. Give up social media. You know, put your phone down for two hours of the day and let God speak to you. I don't care what you do, but we need to do something that reminds us of our need of God, our seeking God, and asking God to move. The last song that uh, Justin uh, and the worship team brought to us, We Need to Move, I want you to know that I didn't ask for that song, didn't know they were going to sing it. I didn't even know what I was going to preach to you until this morning, all right? So they are always way ahead of me, praying and talking to God. I didn't know what songs were coming but when you hear the end of the message today, by the time you're at the end of the message, you're going to think that that was coordinated. I want you to know it was, but not by us. That's God. And I want you to hear it because some of you maybe are lacking in your faith a little bit. Some of you maybe don't even believe, maybe haven't received Jesus yet. I want you to know that God is alive and well, and he is moving. And so when you hear the words of that song, and then you hear what I'm going to share with you, I want you to know God orchestrated that, not us. And I love him for that. He's amazing. All right? So I said thank you for all of you for the, uh, for the rodeo Sunday last Sunday. I want you to know that my heart was to be here. You know that. I love that day. I uh, love horses. I love the rodeo stuff. I like all that outdoor adventure stuff. And um, it was my heart's desire to be with you. And um, so when we got the surgery date from my wife's surgery on the 13th, the original hope was uh, just arthroscopic surgery and out the same day. Um, and so I was like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. I'll be here. We'll do Rodeo Sunday, and I'll be good. I told her, you can just sit in the chair there and just be cool. All right, well, 
As you know, that didn't go. You know, she had exploratory surgery. She's cut from, you know, stem to stern. She's got this big old nasty gash on her. And they took everything apart inside of her. And so um, they told us by that Thursday. So I had a staff meeting on Tuesday of that week, which would have been uh, the, the 11th. We met with Pastor Josh, Stephen, Rick, Cindy. Well, Rick wasn't there. Um, we were all together, and I was like, you know, I had told him a month ago, you need to prepare a message for Rodeo Sunday in case you're needed. All right, so just be ready. So he's new here, right? So if you don't know that, Pastor Josh just started about five weeks ago with us. So he doesn't know me, and he's getting to know me. So, so I said, you know, you just need a message. I want you to know it's Rodeo Sunday, and you need to be ready. And if you don't preach it that Sunday, you know, I'll, I'll have you speak the next Sunday. And, uh, but I'm going to do everything I can to be here. So I said, you'll know by that Thursday because I'll know what's going to happen in the surgery. So in our staff meeting on Tuesday, he said, so you're going to let me know Tuesday? I said, well, you know, I'll probably end up letting you know Sunday morning about 6.30. <laughs> <laughs> because I already know they're not doing it arthroscopically, but there's a chance she could go home by Saturday. If she goes home by Saturday, I'm in, you're out. Okay? <laughs> so I just want you to know, be ready, but you never know. So he was like, no, you're kidding, right? I'm like, no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm like, I'm dead serious, man. I want to be there. So be ready. Well, he was not okay with that. He's a young man. Uh, he's preached three times at his last church in two years. So, you know, there's that thing. He did amazing. We watched the 11 o'clock service. It was awesome, John. Great message. But he was a little freaked out that he wasn't going to know till Sunday morning. I just want you to know that, you know. So our staff meeting was about two hours long, and I said, look, it's about an 80% chance you're doing it, but there's a 20% you're not. By the end of it, I was like, okay, you're doing it. <laughs> After that two hours, I had to surrender. God spoke to me during that time. I didn't tell him that. Um, <laughs> but God was really talking to me about the fact that he didn't need me right. and um, that he planned the date, not me, and that he had a message for the people, and it wasn't requiring me being here. And it wasn't, uh, not that I was like jumping for joy and excited for Josh. I was actually like, well, yeah, good. I hope he does well, but I want to be there. All right. So, you know, it's just a love that I have. I love preaching God's word. I love being with you. And I love those special days we have. And I just want you to know that God is amazing. And as we sat in the hospital room last Sunday and we watched the 11 o'clock service, um, we had some things going on in the room before that. So as I watched him, I was just like, God, you're amazing. As I listened and watched him so naturally moving up here and speaking, I knew he was a charismatic young man, a good speaker and stuff. He did such a phenomenal job. And I'm like, God, it's just like amazing that you do what you do. And this was you. And I'm grateful. But I'm really glad that I'm here today. <laughs> Even if you're not, I heard he quit early. I, I heard he was done early. So I'm going to help make up for that. And... uh <laughs> Get rolling. I don't, <laughs> that's not the norm. So if you're new here, I just want you to know that um, we're not a perfect church or perfect people. We're here because we know we need God's help, and he's provided that help through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's our identity of who we are. So let's look in Romans 12 today and get to the word of God so I can get you out of here in time. I'll try and get you out early. Um, why are you laughing? I really am going to try. And so, <laughs> Just remember that you guys are killing time here. And so, <laughs> I read these verses to you a couple weeks ago. I'll read them to you again today, Romans 12, 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. 
Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. You ready? Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just going to pause there for a minute. We need to. Because, you know, when we're looking at what we're being talked about, and we know those first two verses of Romans 12, when it talks about us being a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable act of worship to God for all that He's done for us. The Word of God is calling me and you to put our life on the altar to live all for the glory of God, so that everything I do gives God glory. Everything. All in my life. So now when you continue with that thought process, He comes to this place now, And he says, so now, church, that you're thinking and worshiping God and saying, I'm all on the altar. He's like, just stop for a minute. Don't think you're better than you really are. Don't start thinking, yeah, I'm there, man. I've arrived. I'm all in. I'm all up there. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. So we want to evaluate ourselves for a minute. Some of us are very critical of ourselves, and I know that. But let's talk about some things about evaluating our spirituality, our walk with God, our relationship with Him. We've been invited by the Scriptures and saying, like, look, if you're in relationship with God through Jesus Christ, this is what God's asking for you, to be a living, holy sacrifice to God, all His. All right. Evaluate yourself. Using a scale of 1 to 10, don't say this out loud. (laughs) Scale of 1 to 10, 1 being low, 10 being high, you're not a 10. Put a number on yourself in evaluating your relationship with God and how you are that living sacrifice. I want you to just pause. I want everybody to get a number in your head of what you think you are. You got a number? That was a half of you. I'll give you a few more seconds. Everybody have a number? What is that number based on? I already said don't answer. Sorry, I didn't. I should have emphasized that. So what is your number based on? Because you needed to use some type of a measurable criteria to come up with your number. You did. And you needed to. I'm not telling you should have. You should have. Because we're challenging the word of God. And what it says is, don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. So it's like, what criteria am I using to measure where I am in my all-in on the altar, all for God. So you used a criteria, what was that based on? And how did you measure yourself and where are you? So now, we want to continue with the thought of what God's Word is teaching us. So let's put it all in context. He's saying, like, you're all in on the altar, living sacrifice. I'm all yours, God. My life is all about you. I have given up. I am in relationship with you. This is what you ask of me. Now I need to evaluate myself. And now we read on. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, 
God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Ready for this next one? Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Okay. So now we're looking at the scriptures and it's like, hmm, we've gone from this idea of saying, hey, everybody, this is your reasonable act of worship is to present a living sacrifice to God. That means that I am living as God's sacrifice, always about him. Assess yourself now and see where you really are in your walk with him. Now then, he goes on to say, you're supposed to be functioning as a body. This is a reminder to tell us we belong to each other. It's not all about you. It's we belong to each other. This is God's word. He's saying we, right here in this church, are part of his body and his purpose, and therefore we belong to each other. We have a responsibility, the family of God, to do our part in living as a holy sacrifice to God. What you do and how you live matters to me and it matters to the people in this room. God's word declares to us that we are supposed to be part of what God is doing as a movement of himself, an expression of himself in Tucson and the surrounding communities is happening through us together. Church, Please hear God's word. We have a responsibility to the family of God to do our part in proclaiming, living, being the word of God. This happens when the the whole part of the church is serving in the capacity that God has called us to serve. So the Bible gives us a list of stuff here to consider. We read through it. I want you to know it's not an all-inclusive list. He doesn't say if you're not doing one of these things, you're not doing anything. He's saying, like, here's, here's how the body functions. Let me give you some examples. Prophecy. He says, you know, some have the gift of prophecy. So before we get, you know, some of us come from different backgrounds and we have different views of what it means to be a prophet. I want you to know the biblical truth of what a prophet is. A prophet from the biblical perspective is one who speaks God's word. That's what it is, one who speaks God's word. So the the prophet speaks words of encouragement, challenge, judgment, and rejoicing. What he does is he or she preaches God's word, and there have been female prophets in Scripture, but it is one who speaks God's word. I shouldn't say preaches, speaks God's word. A prophet speaks the word of God. So when I do a spiritual gifts test, I uh, score highest in being a prophet. But it's because I preach God's word. I speak his word. It's what I do. And that's what God's called me to do. In the modern church, we've, um, we've conglomerated all the offices that God has called us into into pastor. It's okay. It's just terminology. But I just want you to know, we in the church have kind of caused a little bit of cloudiness in the function of God because we just call everybody a pastor. But you see, if you go into Ephesians 4, And you read verses 11 through 16. The word of God tells us that Jesus himself gave the church a gift. 
This is what he says. Now, not gifts like what we're talking about here in this context, but Jesus gave a gift to the church, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist. Man, I messed that up last time too. There's five of them. I'm not that other one, whatever that is. So there's five of them, but Ephesians 4, if you look it up, I shouldn't trust my memory. But anyway, he's saying like these offices or these positions that God has blessed the church with are those who lead the church equipping the church to be the body of Christ to do the ministry of the church. Okay, did you hear that? So what it is, is like in my prophetic words, I am calling you and equipping you to actually do the ministry of the gospel so that we can be the living sacrifice of Christ in the world. Okay, so then what he tells us then the purpose of this is so that we can all grow in our faith in Christ's likeness. So we are to mature, it talks about that in there, growing in our faith into Christ's likeness. That's Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, so you can read that later today. So let's see what he's telling us here. If you're a prophet, then prophesy, speak God's word. If you're serving, then serve, man. What are you doing? Okay, if it's teaching, then do it well. Study to show yourself approved. Teach God's word. Teach other people what it means to be a follower of Christ. Encourager, man, we need you. The world is always speaking down to us. Encouragers, you need to be an encourager to everyone. Not just in the church, by the way. Giving generously. If you're a giver, give generously. If you're a leader, leadership is your gift, then lead. If it's showing kindness, then show kindness. Come on, what he's saying is, is I have gifted you in areas, God has said this, the way you live as a living sacrifice is that you live in the gifting I've given you and not just inside the walls of the church. You function as the body of Christ in this greater community. We are the expression of Christ trying to reach people with the good news of the gospel. We do so by functioning the way God has called us and asked us and equipped us to do it. Okay. My question to you right now is, and these are accountability questions that you're not answering out loud, but they are all through here of action steps. How are you putting your gift into action? How's it happening right now? Where is it happening? When is it happening? How is it happening? You have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. Do you see where he said, do it well? It was like an encouragement, like, don't just do it, do it well. Be who you're supposed to be, the best you can be. Go after it, man. Be intentional about what you're doing. So let me help you. You're supposed to be putting your gift in action everywhere, at all times, for God's glory. So we're not asking you to sign up to do nursery today. You ought to be doing that. One amen. Okay, that, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, those are things that we're supposed to do in serving. All of us should be doing things to serve in the church for the benefit of others. But what we're talking about here is the function of the spiritual element of the body of Christ as the family of God, as this expressive body called Christian Faith Fellowship. God is saying, I want to do something through you, and I want to impact this community around you. Therefore, each of us needs to do what God has asked us to do. 
Some of us get confused and say, I'm not really sure what my gift is or what I ought to do. So let's do a spiritual, simple step. Uh, probably two months ago. I don't know how long it was. It doesn't matter. I told you, we, I'm not a big gifts, like spiritual gifts test guy or any of that kind of stuff. Um, but we put one of those things on our website for you, free, so you can go and do it. And um, the last I looked, I think I had 30 people of our church that took it out of like 450 people that are here. Not that I'm not, I'm just sharing something with you, okay? That was not a reprimand. I'm just saying like, it's available, it's free. Like, do this, send us your results if you want to. You don't have to. But I think it's pretty important that you get some kind of a direction as far as what God's asking of you in your life. Like, maybe you already know. Fine, if you already know, don't take the test. Just send me a note saying, I already know what I'm supposed to do. This is it. Maybe you don't want to say because there's a commitment. <laughs> I'm not looking to lasso you in anything. Remember, I'm, I'm your pastor. I'm calling you. God's given me a word to challenge you and say, you are his people. You are his body. God is trying to express himself through us. And so the invitation is, will you allow God to speak through your life in the way he wired you? You got it? It's not like he's trying to ask you to do something you're uncomfortable with. He wants to give you something the way he made you where you can be him through that gift. So it's natural. It's natural in the spirit life, not in your flesh. Okay, so simple beginnings. Just do it, man. Get a direction from God. Maybe tomorrow as we start our fast, you could begin to ask God, how can I use this in the body? Like you could do the test this afternoon and say, well, I don't know about that. Well, then God, you know about that. How can you use this? What do you want to do with me through this? How do you want to express yourself through me? Okay, so if you still get stuck, here's something that was for everyone. Love everybody. Don't pretend. Don't fake it. Right? It was right there in the list. Amen. Love people. Come on, man. You don't have to take a spiritual gift to do that. A gift test. You just like, do it. Love people. Be real about it. Amen. All right. So um, I'm going to go back about three years or so. Um, uh, me as a as a person, like I just said, I didn't even know what I'm preaching to you until Sunday morning. I never do. That doesn't mean I'm not preparing. I'm praying every day, seeking God, reading His Word, spending time with Him, doing all that stuff. I just never know what I'm going to say until Sunday morning. That's just the way God speaks to me, okay? That's not a yay me. That's not a poor me. That's just the way it is. It's okay. All right? So what I'm saying that to you is that because I'm wired as a just wing it, man, make it happen. Like, go after it. Make God do something and follow what he's saying. I tell you all the time, I don't know what I'm doing as your pastor. I'm just following the Spirit of God, and let's see what he does with us. Um, so here's what God was challenging me with. I'm also committed to change. I told you this is a year of change, right? So about three years ago in my prayer time and stuff, I have... God has given me prophetic visions or dreams. He has, and words that he's spoken into my heart. And I have this vision that God's given me. I, it's real, and I know it's from God. And, you know, I'm like, we're going to end up there. I know we are, so let's just skip our way down this road, and woo, we'll party when we get there, right? That's Dave. And God's like, you know, um, not everybody's okay with skipping down the road with you. 
you probably need to concentrate on some other things with some other people's giftings and like walk this journey together. So I called all of our ministry leaders together um, and there was, at some of the meetings we had like, I think the most we had was like 45. Those are people that lead ministries in this church, volunteers. Um, and uh, some of the meetings we only had about 30 some people at. But over an 18 month period, we met um, at least once a quarter, sometimes more, and there was communication through the months um, by email and different things. I'm telling you all this because it's important for where we're going. So what we were doing is we were praying, seeking God's face, talking together to hear from God. God, you know, you've called us to be Christian Faith Fellowship in Tucson. There's a lot of churches. We're not supposed to be them. We're supposed to be who you called us to be. We're supposed to be this body of who you want us to be. We have identified who we are in Christ, and that's what we say all the time. We're not a perfect church. We're not a perfect people. We're here because we know we need God's help, and he's provided help through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's our who we are statement. So you can't do anything until you know who you are, right? That's where it all starts. Now I've identified myself, my reliance upon you, who you are. Now God's saying like, that's great. Now that we know who you are, now I want you to know there's something I want you to do with that. So our prayer and our discussions were, God, what do you want to do with that? How do we, as the imperfect church, imperfect people, depending on Jesus, become and express who you are in this community? All right. So the whole point of those meetings and those prayer times was to ask God what he wanted. We recognize that we are part of a big body of Christ. We're not the only church. We're not stupid. You shouldn't be stupid if you think that. We're not the only church that's following Jesus. There's many churches that are preaching salvation in Jesus Christ alone. I also recognize there are many churches that are not preaching Jesus, and those churches need to close their doors or repent. So I pray for both. Okay, so what we want to be is we want to be a church that represents Christ as the light and influences the world around us. So we're looking at the word of God and it's very clear what God has expressed himself to us in. um, Matthew 28 is the great commission. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Matthew 5.14. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So these were our core verses that we believe that God was challenging us as the followers of Christ to be, to live, and to express. All right? Now, in that process of praying and seeking God, We were looking for a way to boil all those scriptures down into a statement that would speak into our hearts and remind us of what God's asked of us. Hey, tech team, did you put this on the screen for me? You guys are awesome. They're amazing. So in this process, what we did was we came up with a statement and uh, created a logo. Cindy is great with the tech stuff, and we created a logo. So it's using the recycle symbols of the arrows because this is a constantly repeated process of God's work, 
We are called by God to radiate the love of Christ, to reach the lost and the saved. Now, the reason we say that and the expression that God is giving to us as his body is this. We are called to reach lost people, of course. They need to know Jesus. But there are people that are saved that are stuck as infant believers. Like, they didn't know that there's more to that. Didn't realize that I just don't just say, save me and then repent every night before I go to bed. Sorry, God, I'm sinning again. Sorry, God, I'm sinning again. I repent, I repent. You know, it's time to grow up. So what we want to do is we want, we want to reach lost people and bring them to Jesus, but we want people to know Jesus to grow into Jesus. That's why that last part, yeah, says restore them into fully mature followers of Christ. If you read that Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 passage, it talks about the fact that we need to get people from being children of the faith, tossed here and there with everything they hear, to grow up in Christ and to become Christ-like as they mature. So God says, this is what I want from you guys at Christian Faith Fellowship. I want you to always radiate my love to the community around you. I want you to radiate that in such a way that you can reach people that don't know me and call those who do and invite them into this growing relationship with God. He's amazing. Okay, so since this is what God has called us to be and do, and I believe he has, I'm, I'm 100% convinced, just as much as I know he gave us the statement of our identity, I, I know God gave us the statement of purpose. This is mission, vision. I don't care what terminology you put on. I don't care about that junk. All I know is God saying, go live it, be it, and do it. All right, so it's all out there. So if this is what God has called us to do and be, what part of the mission does God have you serving in? It's God's mission. It's God's purpose. This is who we are as the body of Christ. Therefore, what part of that does God have you doing in that process of his work? Just let, I'm just pausing for you to think about it. How does this apply in your everyday life? Okay, so... We're not just the body of Christ when we're assembled in church on Sunday. We're not just the body of Christ in our small groups. We're supposed to be the body of Christ as His expression called Christian Faith Fellowship each and every day in every environment in which we live. So if I'm called to be a servant, then I ought to be serving everywhere I am. If I'm a giver, I ought to give. Showing kindness, love, all those things that God has asked us, this expression of who He is should be happening in every environment. This is why, because God is working through His body to call those people that are looking for Him. And they need to see Him in you as you live His truth through the giftings that He's given you. You matter. How you live matters. What you do matters, not just to you, not just to God, but to the whole body of Christ that is called Christian Faith Fellowship. You matter, and you are making a difference, be it good or bad. You're making a difference. So I'm driving home from the hospital last week. We were, you know, hoping to get out Saturday. I took a bag and stayed with her, and I needed to go home and get clothes uh, for her and I just because the, the stay was extended. Uh, we were supposed to go out Saturday. We ended up getting out Monday. And so I'm driving down Speedway, heading home to get the stuff. Last month's been crazy, obviously, as you know. And um, not much sleep and all kinds of stuff going on in life. Surrenders to God, learning things, 
submitting thing, yes, letting go, driving down Speedway, going home. And it was like, um, I'm just driving, no sound on, just going home, and uh, God just made me aware of everything around me. So I'm looking, and I'm thinking, man, there's a lot of traffic at this time of day. I don't even remember when it was, but I'm driving, and, and uh, every once in a while, God just shows me people on the road, like that car over there driving by, and there's a face, there's a person, there's a life. And I'm watching all these cars going by, and I'm like, wow, none of these people know what's going on in my life right now. None of them. If they knew, they'd all be beeping and waving at me and giving me thumbs up and, uh, you know, like, yes, thank God and all that and good stuff and all that. Nope, they're just going on their journey. And, um, and I realized that they have their own stuff going on, and I don't have a clue about what's happening with them. Right. Nothing. Nothing. Don't know their name. Nothing about their life. I'm driving down the road, you know, and if you ever want to have that moment where you see how small you really are, you know, it's one of those moments where it's like, this is only Speedway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And there's like tons of people driving by me that I have no clue about them. And they don't know me. It was like, God, you know, you do know. It's incredible realization, which I already know. But it was that moment where it was like God says, you matter to me. I know what's going on. I've been with you. I care. And not only that, Dave, but I'm pursuing that person in that little Prius right there. I care what's happening to that person in that car, in that truck, in that vehicle. I know them just as much as I know you. I'm after them and I'm trying to work in their life. And it's like this this magnitude of this God that cares so much about this expression of himself in my life and in your life. I want you to know today, church, you matter to God and he's trying to do something in you. And where other people may not recognize it, he does. And all that matters is that you do what he's asked you to do because nothing else will matter. I had this incredible realization that not only do the people not know I'm here, they won't know when I'm gone. There will be a day that I no longer drive down Speedway. I'll be gone. And nothing will change in their life as a result of that. They won't even know that there's an extra space on the road. And they won't care because they're wrapped up in their life. And I was like contemplating, I was like, man, God, you know, it's crazy because the only thing right now that I know is that you matter and what I do for you matters. And so God, I know this, that you care about those people and if there's a way that you can use me to let them know you, not me, let me do it. See, when God moves, church, I want you to know when God moves, People talk about what God's doing, not about what that church is doing or who that pastor is. When God moves, people are talking about what God is doing. There's an undeniable confession when God does something. And that is what God wants to do through us. God wants to. So, from my heart to you, meeting with God. Yes, and there is an element of the prophetic gift that God gives where sometimes it is future. 
He gives glimpses or visions or dreams of future. He does. And that's not to everybody. He just does it sometimes, and it's up to God. You know, I've asked him to give me those things for some stuff, and he doesn't. I've asked him to show me things, and he doesn't. Some things he shows me, and I don't want to see it. Um, I'm being serious. And so in my prayer time with God, probably 15 years ago here in Tucson when we came, almost 15 years ago now, praying, I'm praying for God to move. God move. It has been my desire since I came to know Jesus and began to read his word to experience a powerful move of God. Like, God, I, I know what you've done in my life. You have transformed me. God, I want to see that in a massive move of God. Please, God, before I die, let me be a part of a move of God like I read in Acts, like I've read in church history with the Great Awakenings. God, I want to see a move of God where there is an undeniable God presence that people's lives are changed, okay? So I want you to know as I've prayed that, and, and in my prayer times, from that beginning time of praying for Tucson and through this, I have sensed in my spirit that God was going to move here. I do. And I don't know the time frame. I'm just sharing something from my heart. It's important that you hear me. Especially those of you that are skeptical of God. Remember, I didn't pick the music. God picked his word and God shared his heart. Here we go, church. I sensed in my spirit, and I've shared this at different points in time with different people and with our congregation that I have sensed the Spirit of God saying that He is going to move not only in Tucson, but up the I-10 corridor of Arizona. Okay, I believe that the Spirit of God is moving in that direction. Like, an impact of God is moving there. All right, that's all I'm going to tell you about that part. I believe that God wants to see His people, that's me and you, Embrace Him in the full power of faith and what He has available to us that will ignite us, us, would you say me? me? To ignite you with this real power of God that is available to us that He says lives inside of us called the Holy Spirit. That God wants to speak into people's lives and bring about deliverance to addicts, healing to families and marriages and relationships. Now... Yeah, I want you to know that obviously that's not like some, well, of course God wants that. Okay, of course God wants that. Come on, church, seriously. That is the supernatural work of God, you know. Setting addicts free, bringing families together, uniting hearts, renewing marriages. That's the work of God. And see, a move of God impacts people's lives outside of the church and this move of God God is asking that we his body would express him in this community in such a powerful way by allowing him to do what he created us to do in the way that he's gifted us that what we do and how we do it impacts those lives in such a way that God himself is able to set them free, transform them, and change their lives. I want you to know that this move of God is your responsibility. Church, please hear me. That's not a guilt trip. That's saying God's heart is for this. When we look in the word of God, he says he is not willing that anyone would perish, but that everyone would come to repentance, right? 
For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe on Him would not perish but would have eternal life through Him, right? Okay, so church, God's will and heart is that the people of this community and this city and all those would come to know Him. That is God's heart. Therefore, God is trying to express His message of hope and love through us, through you, through me, in our lives, outside of church. So when we engage Him in such a way that I am living my life in the giftedness that He's given me, I can be the expression of God in Tucson as a whole. We together then collectively play the significant role in the overall plan that God has. Please understand, this is not Dave asking you to do something. This is the creator of the universe saying, I want you to hear me. I'm speaking to you. I'm trying to do something here. I want to redeem people. I want to bring them to the place where they know me and that their families are healed. God's saying, I want to set the addicts free. I'm trying to do that. Please allow me to express myself through you. Church, it's up to us. I'm checking my time. We're good. All right. I'm not done yet, but we're good. Uh, That being done early thing might not happen, but anyway. People God used, right? We look at the Bible and we see all these people God used, Abraham and Sarah. Um, Both were senior citizens before they actually knew God's plan for their life. Now, they didn't start following God as senior citizens. We know that Abraham said, I want you to leave your family, go over here, and I want you to follow me. He didn't know where he was going. He just followed God. So God had a plan, didn't share all of his plan with them, just said, follow me, and Abraham did. So did Sarah. So they're going on their journey. God says, this is what I'm giving you. Enjoy. Awesome. Great stuff. A lot of stuff's happening. He's 75 years old. God gives him this vision and dream. You're not too old to get a dream yet. Stop thinking it's time to check out because you're old. Seriously, stop making excuses about your age. Don't think you've done your time and it's everybody else's responsibility. God is calling you to serve him to the fullest of your capacity. Abraham was 75 years old and God says, guess what? I'm going to give you a kid and something amazing is going to happen. All right? Now, him and Sarah both laughed about that. Now, it's okay that you laugh at thinking God's going to use you especially if you think he's going to give you a kid and you're 75. You know, I get it. But I want you to know that when God said this and they laughed about it, you know, God waited 25 more years before he actually did it. So don't laugh too much. (laughs) So God's never in a hurry. God has a plan and God is going to do what he says he's going to do when we believe him. Abraham believed God. Hebrews 11 tells us this. And therefore was the righteousness of God in him, and he was called the friend of God. Okay, so don't think you're too old. Stop making excuses for yourself and do what God's asked you to do. There was this guy named Jacob. He was a grandson of Abraham and them. And Jacob's name means deceiver, liar. So he was named that because as his twin brother was being born, he was holding on to his ankle. And so they named him Jacob, heel grabber. And so that name that was given to him, he lived. And so he was a deceiver, deceived his brother, his father, his family, as he was coming into maturity, wanting to get God's blessing. He lied to get it. That's not the best way to do it. Jacob's running from his life because his brother says he's going to kill him. 
because he stole his birthright and his possession of blessing from his father. He's heading off to another land, falls asleep that night, and he has a dream. Isn't that amazing how God can speak to us in dreams when we're running from our lives? And he says to him, hey, and he has this dream, and he's like, oh, you're God. I'll serve you. Wrestles with God. All these things going on happen in his life. There's this time frame that happens, and God says to him one night as they're wrestling, I'm going to change your name. Now you're going to be named Israel. No longer will you be called Jacob, but your name will be Israel. You will be a father of nations. We have the nation of Israel in our world as a result of that deceiver wrestling with God and God changing his life. And now there is a nation that exists that bears his name. We look back in the scriptures and we see another Moses, a senior citizen, 80 years old when he got the call of God to do something significant for the kingdom of God. God had used all those years beforehand to prepare him for this moment without telling him. He knew the political government of Egypt because he spent 40 years there. He knew the ways of the desert because he spent 40 years there. At the age of 80, God says, guess what? I'm going to make you a leader of a nation and you're going to live in the desert for 40 years. Using all those things of equipping him to bring him to the place where he could do something incredible for God. And guess what? As we look at Moses, he had murdered somebody in his life. See? doesn't mean you're unqualified to work for God just because you screwed up your past. Moses is called by God and he makes every excuse imaginable telling God it's not me, not me, somebody else, do something else, use anyone else, not me. God's like, no, I want to use you. So I just want to tell you guys, stop making excuses. God wants to use you. You're not too old. You're not inadequate. You didn't do too much wrong in your life. You screwed it up. Yes, you did. That doesn't disqualify you. God's called you. Rahab was a prostitute, and she's in the lineage of Jesus. Gideon was a fearful warrior. He overcame an entire army with 300 guys, but he didn't do it on his own strength and his own power and his own belief in God. Every time God told him, I want you to go do this, he's like, really? God, would you show me again? Four times God had to say, look, I'm giving you the victory. I'm giving you the victory. I'm giving you the victory. I'm giving you. Come on, man. Quit cowering around. Stop being a fearful warrior. Step up for God, right? Okay, David, not even invited in by his dad. Look, this, the, the, when the prophet came to your house, not, I mean in the Old Testament, not me, uh, but the Old Testament prophet, like Samuel was the prophet of the nation. He held the highest office in that land. He was seen as God's spokesman to the entire nation. So he tells Jesse, I'm coming to your house for dinner. That is a big deal, okay? Jesse did not even call David in from the field. <laughs> you get that? I mean... He's that kid in the family. Like he had all his other boys there that looked handsome, strong, all together. But he didn't even invite David in. I'm not speaking negatively about Jesse. I think it speaks something strong to us. That Jesse didn't even call him in to see the prophet. And God said, he's the one I want. I want you to know that people may not see anything in you. You may not be invited to the table. That does not mean that God doesn't want to do great things through you. God does it all the time. Jonah, he was just a moron. God still used him. He was. Come on, man. He was just a moron. And God still used him. There's hope for you. All right? Okay. Amen. I didn't give that to everybody. You own that. All right? Here you go. Ready? Amos was a tree farmer. And God used him as a prophet. So don't tell me you're not equipped. 
God doesn't need you to do certain things for him. God wants you to surrender to him. Peter denied Jesus with curse words. You know, he was a rough guy that had a big mouth. God still used him. Matthew was a tax, tax collector. He worked for the IRS of uh, Rome. He was, you know how those guys are. They need Jesus big time. And God used one of them. Paul, he murdered Christians. And his mission and his life's purpose was destroy the church of Jesus Christ. And God still used him. Now look, there's all kinds of stuff. This is a small number, and I am at the end, time and message. I want you to know, this is a small number of people, but I want to get a couple things in here about this. There is a past of brokenness, but this past of brokenness doesn't stop you from being used by God, but you can't live in your brokenness to be used of God. See, that was who you were. This is what he told us in Romans 12, right? Now we have to be transformed into a new person by the way we think, by being all in for God. Then God says, I've given you gifts that you have never touched and don't know about. The Holy Spirit reveals those gifts to you and in you and through you so that I can use you for my glory and purpose. Then it's all about God. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Him. And we want to see God move in such a way that people are talking about what God is doing what God is doing. God, move. That is our prayer. God, do what you said you'd do. God, we want to be involved in whatever it is that you want to do. Stop making excuses that will justify your not being used. Step up, church. It's time that we step into the fullness of all that God has asked us to do. Action steps. Are you born again, follower of Jesus Christ? Are you? If you don't know Jesus, I want you to know he loves you. He's pursuing you. He cares about your life and he wants you to have a relationship with him. We invite everyone in the room to join us in fasting tomorrow. And here's something I want to challenge you. Do you remember that number I asked you about at the beginning? Why don't we ask God to show us how we can go up one number? If you are a one, become a two. And that means you are becoming Christ-like in your walk. Right? It's not about how high you were. It's how we are growing in him. So let's ask God to show us through this time of fasting how I can become from a five, a six, or whatever your number may be. How are you living your faith through the week? And how does that fulfill God's mission? Do you know your place in the body? Do you know what God's asked you to do? Do you know how he's equipped you? What he's given you a gift of? It's time to know, church. It's time to know and act in it. Would you stand with me? My last action step is this. When you think of what God wants from you, what is the excuse you use not to do it? When you think of what God wants from you, what is the excuse that you use to dismiss God's call? The altar's open. Please come. Church, I'm I'm asking you that God's asking you, would you open your heart to him? God, here we are. We want to move. We want to be part of what you want to do. God, we want to be active in living for you as a living sacrifice, holy to you, God. Change us. Transform us. Make us that new person. Change the way we think. Change the way we function. Change the way we live. Let us live in the fullness of the giftings that you have given us. Let us be that expression of you out here in this community and do our part. God, We want to make sure when we stand before you, we've done all you've asked us to do. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name.
for your family that is here. Thank you for this body. Would you bless them, transform them, use them for your glory and purpose. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you, guys. You're as awesome. You guys are awesome. Thank you for being at the altar. Don't leave till you know you're all good to get up and go. God is so good, isn't he? Thank you, Jesus. Church, you're dismissed. God bless you. Have an amazing week with him. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you.